In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, our text is Psalm 107, which we have prayed together. I call your attention to verses 5 through 9. Hungry and thirsty, their souls fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. The infant is born with hunger. The infant knows that it needs something. It cries to show it needs something. Then mother nurses and the infant is satisfied. Its body digests and develops until it is ready for more. And then the infant again feels that need for nourishment and cries again. But while the infant knows that it hungers, it does not know exactly what it needs. An infant may hunger and then eat leaded paint chips because the lead makes the chips taste vaguely sweet, but the infant thereby poisons itself. No, the infant must be taught what things are good to satisfy that hunger. We are but infants in the faith. We are in the infancy of eternal life. We feel hunger and thirst not only for daily bread, but also for deeper, greater things. We are to cry to the Lord in our distress that he may provide all that we need. So tonight let's meditate briefly on these thoughts derived from Psalm 107, that the Lord provides daily bread and that the Lord provides the bread of life. For both of these, we are to give thanks. In the first place, God provides daily bread. Did you ever study the word provide? It's actually Latin, provida. It's Latin to see ahead. God foresaw our need and provided for it. This is God's providence. He gave mothers to care for us, and in most cases, fathers to care for our mothers. God gave such supports to us for two decades or so. What kind of human love will provide for 20 years? We have to come out of our self-centeredness, our dependency in order to do that. And thus has God provided. Luther observes that daily bread includes everything that pertains to the wants and needs of the body. Food and drink, clothing and shoes, house and home, my reason and my senses, and he still preserves them, all my members. And then he goes on to talk about the, the people in our lives, the, the things in society that satisfy all of our needs. God provides food and the means to obtain it. Ever observe how anxious some children are to help prepare dinner, to get into the cooking, the cutting, the setting, the pouring? Oh, you can offer to put the spread on their bread, but many a child will respond, I can do it myself. 
Dinner is more fun, more meaningful when we have a part to play, when we have decisions to make. And God's providence leads us to do more for ourselves. Psalm 107 concludes, He turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water, and there He lets the hungry dwell, and they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. By His blessing they multiply greatly, and He does not let their livestock diminish. God has provided that we might not only be receivers, but also givers. The divine love which sustains us by daily bread is what also manifests in the love of parents who sacrifice themselves for their children's welfare. In the Christian community, we see all humankind as children of the same Heavenly Father and objects of our care. The Good Samaritan understood the law of God was fulfilled in giving to his neighbor's needs. And thus St. Paul writes, Let him who stole steal no more, but rather let him labor with his hands so that he might have ability to give to the poor. God's providence does not leave us in infancy, but enables us to become givers as well as receivers. And while we are always receivers in our relationship with God, yet we can play the divine role as givers, God's messengers, God's ambassadors to others as we give and forgive. We need help, especially with this ladder. And that's why God has given us more than daily bread. He gives us the bread of life. This was alluded to by Moses, who said in Deuteronomy, that God fed you with manna that you may learn that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word from the mouth of God. And you can read secular psychologists and get a similar insight. It was Abraham Maslow and his whole school that argued that once our lower needs are satisfied, we become conscious of higher needs. When hunger is sated, our need for rest becomes conscious. When our fear passes, our need for fellowship and human solidarity arises in our consciousness. As the physical needs are met, so the spiritual needs are recognized. And Christ came to satisfy our greatest need, which is peace with God. All humans who look beyond the immediate matter of daily bread sense their unworthiness, their danger. They can see that death looms ahead for every person. And if a story's meaning is tied up in this ending, the human story has a sad and tragic ending. The fact that we often pay the price for things that we have done or neglected in the present causes us to have an uneasy sense of our relationship with the eternal. Christ came. He came to address that sense of unworthiness, that sense of impending danger, that sense 
of despair in the face of death. Christ came to share our condition, to struggle for daily bread with others. He came to take our sin and guilt upon himself and carry it to the cross. There he faced our greatest enemy, death, and he offered himself so that all could enjoy eternal life. That's why he said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger. He who believes in me shall not thirst. No one can come to me unless the Father draws him. He said, I am the bread of life. Unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink of his blood, you shall not have life within you. But he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, the same has eternal life. And in the Holy Communion, the sacrament of Christ's very body and blood, He offers us His body under the form of bread that we might remember these things. And the point of that sacrament is that we might have faith in God's promises, that we might receive the bread of life, the bread of life which comes not only through Holy Communion, but primarily through faith in the promise, through the Word of God. For we live not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And those who believe God's Word eagerly desire the sacraments that Christ has instituted. For the sacraments unite us to Christ. In Holy Baptism we are baptized into Christ's death and resurrection. So that even as Christ is raised from the dead, we too, St. Paul writes, may live a new life. And in Holy Communion we receive the very body and blood of Christ. So that we may know that Christ became human body and soul to redeem us body and soul. So that we may know that what we do with the body matters. That our bodies will rest for a while but then rise at the last to be united with our souls and stand before our God. And what is our response to these things? As it says in our text, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. We give thanks that God provides daily bread. And it's fitting that we should pray before every meal and acknowledge this. And we look beyond to the greater blessing that God gives Christ the bread of life, that we might have eternal life and hope. And by his power, be his messengers of grace, of love, and goodness to others. May your lives be lives of thanksgiving for God's blessings, temporal and spiritual, of life. Amen. Amen. And may that peace of God that surpasses our understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.